This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 842, Spotlight on WandaVision, episodes 1 and 2. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 842. This is our spotlight on WandaVision, episodes 1 and 2. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. I'm joined by my co-host for today. Introduce yourself, sir. Keyboard mates. So, it's uh, it's funny that the last time you were on, we were talking about a female-fronted uh, you know, movie, pro- movie project or superhero project, and now we're kind of still talking about another female-led project. Yeah, I guess the Wanda is sort of the main star. Vision is kind of secondary, but they're, they're pretty equal. So I got to ask, like, um, obviously, it's interesting watching commercials and trailers for this for the show. And in fact, I watched the uh, there was a trailer that was on TV the other day, and we were watching a recording from last Tuesday. So this would have been before the first two episodes had dropped on Friday, um, which was what the fifteenth, and. Um, the trailer was really good, and it was almost all in color segments. And I just turned to my wife, and I was like, "So none of that was in the first two episodes." <laughs> like, it was really interesting watching a trailer for a show, and that none of it was in the first two episodes at all. Well, no, it's like the earlier trailer. I guess that's the newer trailer, but the earlier tra- trailer showed a lot of black and white stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. It was just interesting. This this particular one, like, it looked exciting. It looked like you know action oriented, and I was like, "Well, obviously, we're going to get that at some point in the next seven. But it's just interesting that in the first two, nothing like that. And obviously, we had heard going in that this was going to be a you know action movie meets sitcom. And I felt like they they bit so hard into you know their commitment to the source material. Like, what was your initial takeaway after that first episode? Not even counting the second one, but just the first one. Oh, okay. So I didn't realize this was actually a set story, like in the comics. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought it was an original story. So it's a. Because like, you said the source material, so it threw me off. Oh, no, I, sorry. I meant, like, their homage to classic uh, 50s and 60s sitcoms. Oh, okay, okay got you. Got you. Sorry, yeah, because yeah, yeah, no, the, the, the 50s one is very much like a Dick Van Dyke show style, and then this, the, the second episode is much like Bewitched, which is, again, popular in the 60s as well. I mean, I, that being said, I think the Dick Van Dyke show is actually from the 60s as well, but, again, a certain aesthetic that was also seen in the 50s as well. Okay, did you uh, know that Dick Van Dyke consulted on it? I did not know that. Okay, so I just read that today in an article. Yeah, apparently Dick Van Dyke did. So that's funny that you picked that up. Because, like, I, I, I didn't think of Dick Van Dyke show when I was watching it. I, like, I thought of more uh, I Love Lucy slash uh, Bewitched. Okay, but again, still that kind of classic sitcom formula. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like the first two episodes are very much like a setup. Like, we don't really get much, like, plot-wise. We don't really know what's going on. But yeah, they they committed hard to like this is a '50s sitcom. Like even though like putting it in four by three, putting it in black and white, which I thought was really cool. Like like um, I like the aesthetic, and I think they did a really good job of like this is the '50s. You know, like I think if you put like two fifty shows to get like side by side, it, it really like you turn the volume off. You know, it looks like it could have been produced in the '60s for sure. And it's interesting to see like. The range of the, you know, it's interesting because the cast is actually pretty small because they're, you know, kind of this weird insular world. But the acting that we get to see out of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany is so interesting because it's, you know, they're basically doing a period piece uh, or not even a period piece, but like what a certain period was like in terms of our entertainment. And it's so interesting to see how they flex their muscles to make that work and make it believable. And and it's just fascinating to me to watch. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I thought, like, the details to a lot of things, like, were really cool. Like, I'm sure the effects are probably di- digital now, right? Like, they're probably CG. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was really cool was when she's, like, floating objects and stuff, they made it look like it was, like, on invisible string, like they would have done, yes. like, in the 50s, 60s, right? Like, I thought, like, the details were really cool. Like, there were a lot of really nice little little things in there that made it feel like, like you know, of that era. Like, when Vision walks through walls, too, like, the little stars and, like, mm-hmm. just those little, like, you know, and the little sound effects and stuff. Like, there was a lot of little details in there that were just really, like, nailed it. One thing I um, appreciated, especially in the first episode, is when they had the, the, the dinner party. 
Um, it was well, that was the first episode, right? Yeah, because the second episode is the talent show. So in the first episode, right. when they have the um, now I forget her her name, but the actress who played uh, the mom in that '70s show, she's such a a vet of this type of you know sitcom. She she plays so well into that you know this world. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was perfect. Like, I, yeah, excellent casting. It was great. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Again, everything about the like, as you said, every touch to kind of emulate this type of sitcom was was you know they took it and they took that opportunity. Even like the opening sequence, like everything was very of a certain era. And again, I I do I am curious as a rewatch in the future what it will be like what because as you said like the first two episodes are very much set up and you get a, especially in the second one you get more of a sense that something's going on but you don't really see it much except for i guess right at the very ending where you see a little bit more but it's just interesting to see how rewatchable these two episodes will be given that they are this kind of fun experiment but they don't necessarily move the plot that much well i think the thing is too like you gotta remember like these are now like because everything's serial, like so many shows are serialized. There's very few like episodic uh, shows anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So like this is like a four and a half hour movie in the end, right? True. So like it, it, yeah, like it, it's okay to have a little bit of you know slow start. Like I'm okay with it. Um, I was reading some stuff like it was, uh, I was trying to stay away before we did the podcast from reading too much, but like I did get a sense of like um, there seems to be a lot of negativity about the first two episodes. Mm. Like people are you know it's boring, it's not all that interesting. So, I don't know. To me, I, I'm okay with it. Like, obviously, it's leading somewhere. It was a, um, and like I say, like, for the for the way they committed to the to the whole setup, you know, keeping it black and white, four by three, like, it's just, a, it's such a well done, well executed, like, uh, two episodes in that sense of the context and the historical context. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, I found it interesting. But I could understand, like, let's say, you know, like, if it's someone born in 2000 and now 20 years old, right? Yeah. So... Like, that generation, I don't think they would be exposed to those sitcoms in the same way that maybe our generation was. No. That's true. Yeah, because we we grew up on, like, you know, even though we were born in, like, 83, we saw a lot of... Because they had reruns all the time. Like, if you were home from school, you might see I Love Lucy or Leave it to Beaver. Like, these shows were on. So it wasn't out of the ordinary that we would actually be subjected to this. Not subjected, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, Sunday mornings we saw the original Star Trek on, you know, on TV. Like, all these things were still in reruns. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were on regularly, you know, like you said, daily, either after school or, you know, on the weekends. So they were, like, still accessible. Whereas nowadays, like, from 2000 onward, how accessible were they? You know what I mean? Unless you had the specialty channel that played those old shows, right? True. So, like, with specialty channels, too, that, that also, like, you know, people uh, drift away from them because they're not just regularly available. So it's interesting. Cause then I think maybe that's part of why... Like, there's a lot of criticism about the first two episodes and not such a, a you know, um, it's not as, as well-liked, it sounds like. It's, I think it's like our generation and older are okay with those two episodes, but the younger generation, not so much. Hmm. One thing I did like about them is that, which, you know, is because they're going in a different direction, in a different format, they can do it. But it's nice to see the MCU be, like, actually funny. Like, obviously, sometimes there's some humor in the MCU, but these were these are well-designed, you know, half-hour comedies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, apparently that's where Dick Van Dyke came in big time. Uh, that's, um, so I was reading the article, and apparently, like, Kevin Feige and somebody else met with um, Dick Van Dyke for, like, a lunch and uh, to start off. And, like, you know, they, that was one of the things they wanted to get right, the tone of the comedy mm. of the era. And apparently he was very helpful with that. So that was the main thing that he was consulting on, so... Yeah, it, like, it really does feel like a period piece. Like, it's, you know, it feels like it could be from that period. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's impressive. So it's, a, it's really cool. Last night, I, really on, I was on my Amazon Prime, and I actually started watching the first episode of The Dick Van Dyke Show, and again... It it felt like it, it it it's right next to you know Wandavision in terms of that same tone and humor. So that that they definitely did a good job nailing that again that comedy aesthetic that would feel not out of place if you're reading or sorry watching it in nineteen you know sixty one. Yeah, I was just going to add that apparently Dick Van Dyke didn't really know anything about the uh, MCU. <laughs> well, he's what ninety one years old, isn't he? Yeah, he's like ninety five, man. That's crazy. Oh, is it, is he that old? Yeah, man, he's up there. Wow. But yeah, they were. He, he was like, "Yeah, I heard you guys were, you know, have some really successful stuff." <laughs> Apparently, Kevin Feige was like, "Yeah, you know, highest grossing film of all time, Avengers." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, pretty funny. 
That's hilarious. Yeah, I guess when you're 95, you don't really care. Yeah, well, like, you know, and I, maybe he was never a comic fan growing up or anything, right? So it's just really funny how. I mean, comics didn't really exist till he was, like, 14, so. Yeah, I, would, I guess he was a little older, like, during that time. But it's kind of funny. That's interesting. So one thing, um, I, I, first of all, I love that they actually used kind of period-feeling commercials, which was really cool. Yeah, that was weird. I wasn't expecting fake commercials in there, but it was cool. It was a nice touch. Um, again, like the second in the second one where we have uh, you know the Strucker the Strucker watch, I really enjoyed the the Hydra touches. I mean, that was pretty cool. Yeah, apparently those are going to be available. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to be able to actually buy them. So you're going to have a Strucker watch? <laughs> I don't think so, but it's kind of funny. You know, you say that now. No, I don't. I don't think I'll buy one. I got an Apple Watch, man. So, but like, when am I ever going to wear that? I guess so. This nice. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be an incredibly expensive timepiece, though. You know, one of those cheaper watches. No, I guess so. <laughs> either, either way, it was a, it's pretty funny that they're making it. I don't know if they'll make the Stark toaster, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Marvel, Marvel licenses out everything, so it's possible. That's true. What did you think of, I mean, I, I like the, again, the guest cast that they used. Um, again, in the first episode, like you have uh, the boss and his wife, uh, who I thought were really, you know, well cast and well suited to that, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, and then in the second one, we had Emma Caulfield, who I don't even remember I've seen her in anything for like forever, but she seemed perfectly cast in that role. Yeah, it's funny because she, she bugged me. Like, I was like trying to figure out who is this person. She's so familiar. And then you told me afterwards, and I was like, damn, that's, that's so funny. She's from Buffy. What, one thing I do like about the use of the black and white is that black and white kind of smooths out everyone's kind of ages. Like, Paul Bettany is not a young man. But because of, like, in, in the black and white, like, it doesn't, there's certain, imperf- not imperfections, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just something about color and what it brings out. And I thought the black and white kind of smooths everyone. So everyone looks kind of even better yeah no, like especially seeing vision with his makeup too like with the um or paul bettany with his makeup mm-hmm. um it was interesting to see the makeup in black and white like it, it it's uh it is amazing how much color changes your perspective on stuff right like it's, it's pretty wild so like obviously after the second episode we're moving into color and I was almost sad to see the black and white aesthetic go because again I really did like it and I thought it was you know kind of eye popping like I know a lot of people do not like black and white or like you know they kind of have this idea that black and white is kind of lesser than or it's old but I, I there's something about black and white I really do enjoy and so I was almost sad when the color seeped in. Yeah, I agree with you. But, um... Uh, the Lighthouse is a film that like benefits hugely from black and white. There's mm. room for black and white. What a Wolverine Noir. Yeah, actually, really, really good. With the um, so, yeah, no, black and white does uh, you know if used properly, it, it, it can work really well. Like, and it can serve the story, right? So, yeah, it is. It is unfortunate, like though, that it's just you're never going to have the extensive use of black and white. It's harder to sell. And uh, I think some of the reaction from the younger generation seems again lends to that that uh but i i, I do like uh, credit marvel for doing something different like it is cool like and they keep advertising it as like you know this is something different this is new yeah. which is nice like because if you just keep doing the same action romp over and over again like it can't get boring like it has to you have to do things that are different otherwise you know it's the same old same old and it gets stale yeah it is interesting because i feel like in some ways there's un- there was you know an unexpected pressure put upon this show because in a non-COVID world, Phase 4 would have started with Black Widow, then we would have had Eternals, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was originally supposed to be the first launching, you know, Disney Plus show for Marvel, so it's interesting that because of those things, we didn't have any of those movies, and now Phase 4 has started with WandaVision, which again was not the original plan, so it's interesting that, you know, maybe that's part of where this criticism goes is that people haven't had a marvel project since far from spider-man far from home there's this pent-up desire to see where they push the mcu next and we get this kind of really weird strange you know a series that is not what what anyone would ever really expect like no one would have said you know what we should do next we should make a 50s sitcom like what but that makes it so fascinating to me but i can see why you know with this pent-up desire for more mcu product that has happened because of covid19 that people would be like this is what we got what is this yeah it's true i I never thought of it that way i can't believe that really it was spider-man far from home was the last mcu literally that's that's wild yeah it's crazy because it seems so long ago. long ago Yeah, it's crazy. 
but yeah, for sure, I think there is a little undue pressure. I agree with you that um, because this is like now the official launch of um, of Phase Four. Yeah, like, I was actually wondering about that too because I do remember vaguely that Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to be first. Yeah, and uh, and that would have been the safer choice, right? Because that one's like the more immediate tie-in to the MC, the, the grander MCU, because it builds right off of Endgame, and like it just feels like that would have been the obvious choice, right? To be like, let's get this started. Black Widow always seemed like an interesting choice because it was a prequel film, so to have that kind of launch your new direction seemed a little bit strange but interesting. But whereas Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt like that's the you know that's this the you know the archetypical move that's the that's the natural next choice so WandaVision is a little bit weirder and and strange but I'm I'm happy for it because it's exciting it's di- as you said it's completely different they're giving you something that you do not expect yeah for sure it, it's a bold move and I like it I, like I want to see more of like that's what's keeping me on it right like I'm I'm excited to see where it goes and like it's a, um, and I I, I want to see stuff that's like slightly different like otherwise you know how can you expand the universe just keeping to do, keep doing the same thing, right? Like, this is a cool way to try that. And I think in one way, too, like, the, like I guess the marketing side of it probably is, okay, we launch this one first, then we put on um, Winter Soldier after. Mm-hmm. It, keeps people, it keeps people subscribed until Winter Soldier. For sure, which is happening yeah. in March, right? Like, it's March, like, 18th or 19th. So it's, I think there's, like, one week delay between the ending of WandaVision and then we're getting a new show. So, which is the way that this, this model on Disney Plus is really going to work is that once you have a Marvel show hitting, you know, almost, you know, every couple months, like, you know, it's not like the first year of Mandalorian. You had the Mandalorian and then it was over and you didn't really have anything big ticket on Disney Plus for a while. Whereas now, with all the content they're going to be pump, you know, pumping out, there's never going to be a time to be like, oh, I'm going to stop my subscription for a year. I'll come back when something new happens. No, there's always something new happening. Yeah, that, that's definitely the plan, right? Like it, and you know, it's smart from a money perspective, for sure. Because you got to keep people subscribed. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly it. Like, I, it's smart that like Winter Soldier is almost directly after, right? Like, it, from, a, from a business standpoint, I, I can totally understand that. I just hope that it doesn't oversaturate and then it gets stale or whatever. Like, hopefully they can keep the quality up. Now, with WandaVision, like, how much, how much do you know about some of the casting things that were going in the ether before the show premiered? To be honest, I tried to stay away from spoilers as much as I could. Even the trailer was starting to get to me. Because, hmm. like, they, like, they marketed the shit out of this show. Like, it was crazy. They did. Like, it was a um, movie, right? Oh, for sure. Like, there was posters, like, everywhere. Like, you know, the digital posters now that are on the bus stops, they were everywhere. Um, yeah, it was nuts. And the trailer, like, kept popping up in my Twitter feed. It was it was nuts. But so, like, outside of the trailer, I tried to stay away as much as I could just because I didn't, didn't want to know, my, like, I wanted to know as little as possible going into it. So here's an interesting, it's interesting to think that, you know, six years ago, we got the first appearance of Scarlet Witch and the first appearance of the Vision. Well, I mean, I guess technically we had the first appearance of uh, Scarlet Witch in 2014 briefly, but 2015 was where she really, you know, became a character and not just a post-credit sequence. And so it's only been six years. In that six years, did you ever think that there'd be a time when suddenly they would be headlining a show and you'd be that excited for it? No, for sure. Like that's the the thing that Marvel's done well. They've grown these characters over these movies, and like. It's crazy that they've been around for six years, you know what I mean? Like, how many films have we had, you know, in those six years? And, like, every opportunity they get, they, like, they expand on the characters and make them, you know, more interesting. And I think it's cool. It's a really cool narrative. Like, yeah, it's one of those things where you don't really see it anywhere else. As a complete aside, though, I do want to, I just because it, it popped into my head the other day, I have you here, I have you as a captive audience on the show. Um, I was thinking about when we did the podcast many years ago, probably one of the first ones we did on a Marvel film, which would have been Iron Man 3. And I was thinking about it, and that now that we've had enough time, we've had enough movies hit that kind of that third movie, of Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America, which one do you think had the best third movie? Uh, that's a good question. But, um, I think Iron Man 3, going back to it, wasn't as bad as I remembered it, like, on the podcast. Okay. Like, um, then I'm just trying to think. Thor, though, Thor, for sure, like, the, I think Thor 3 is the best of the Thors. Yeah. It, it found, like, they've just found their rhythm, right? Like, you know, the, the first two were a little stale in comparison with them, and I think they finally figured out the formula that works best for Chris Hemsworth and everything else. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what what happens going forward or there. Um, 
What's that? Winters or um, Captain America? Which one? The third one again? Of Cap? That's Civil War. So it's basically Avengers two point five. <laughs> Civil War was the third one. Yeah. Captain America isn't that two? No, that was Winter Soldier. Oh, Civil War. Right. I'm mixing the two up. I'm mixing up Winter Soldier. Um, Winter Soldier is still the best of, of the three caps. Yeah. I'm, although I would say uh, it's interesting if you look at each of those trilogies. On the whole, I would probably say that Captain America's movies were all better. I mean, Iron Man 1 is obviously great, but, like, if you take the composite of the, those three Iron Man movies versus, you know, the three Thor movies and the three Captain America movies, I think Cap's got it. Yeah, I mean, Cap is a little harder because, like, it does push the story a lot more, right? Because, like, Civil War is a huge one, right? Like, yep. And, it, and, it, and like you said, though, it is kind of Avengers 2.0, right? So it's it's a little bit different, like... But you're you're right. Like for all overall story arc, like yeah, uh, Cap's really got a good overall story arc. Like I love I love the first one too because it's just such a great like period piece too. World War Two, like for sure, it's well done. So um, do you think yeah, if I, do you think if uh, Cap America the first Avenger hadn't been as kind of warmly received as it was, do you think we would have ended up with a Wonder Woman World War One? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it was a, um, I mean, it was a bold choice. And again, that's the thing about like uh, that I respect about Marvel is they have made some bold choices. I mean, even Guardians of the Galaxy, like there was no way in hell that that was a guaranteed hit. Oh no, like, not that at all. Been a huge flop. Like I was a fan of those characters, and I was like, "Are you kidding? I can't believe they're going to do this." Yeah, I like. I mean, I had no idea who the fuck the like, group was or any of those characters, right? Like, you know, they're pretty off the beaten path as the you know the big characters, right? So, and their household names. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy to think, right? Like, it's amazing how much I've learned about comics, like, from the movies. You know what I mean? Like, I had basic knowledge, but not, like, the, you know, not an expensive knowledge. Not like you, obviously. Like, your your knowledge is way out there. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it is wild. It's crazy to think, like, it's been around for as long as it has. Like, 2008 is when it all kicked off, right? It's like, and here we are now, like, move, transitioning from film to, like, uh, to TV shows, right? So it's oh, yeah. pretty cool. Well, and what's so interesting to me is that, I mean, in a lot of ways, TV shows are probably the better fit for comic book characters, to be honest, because so much of comic books is this kind of ongoing soap opera. Spider-Man probably the most, but there's just something about the ongoing narrative and being able to build and construct a world. And I'm, I'm very, you know, hats off to Marvel that they've even been able to do that over the course of, what, 22 movies, because that's, again, unheard of to the degree that they've done it. But TV does feel like a natural place for some of these characters to thrive. For sure, yeah. Like I can't, I can't see a one division movie, right? Like in the same way, it's, it wouldn't work. I don't think. Um, so it does make sense to take some of these like smaller characters and, and you know give them their own little spot to shine, which is cool. For sure, you know, and like they tried it with Pe- like Peggy, right? And we ended up getting only two seasons out of it. Yeah. Well, I guess the big thing there is that, you know, Marvel TV never really talked to the Marvel movies. And now we have Feige on, in charge of, you know, their their TV projects, basically. And I think that's the difference, unfortunately, is that as much as you had some talented people working on those TV projects, even the, the Netflix TV shows, there was, there was always kind of a there was always a disconnect between the, the movies themselves. And which is unfortunate because people wanted to see those Netflix versions of the characters reflected in the movies. But again, those, those, those facets weren't talking to each other. And yet now they, now they're just one. Now it's just Feige and his world. And so now hopefully we can get more of this cross pollination. The fact that, you know, they've said from the beginning that, you know, WandaVision will connect to the next Dr. Strange movie and that she's going to be in that movie. Like the fact that they're kind of planning scenes in advance, one, it makes the, the TV shows feel more important, but also makes everything feel more connected. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like the, that was one of the things with like the Netflix uh, shows. They they did try to like put it in there, but it was very like loose, right? Like because they talked about the event, you yeah. know, what I mean, like with the, the the New York destruction from Avengers. But outside of that, they didn't really do much uh, connecting, right? Like it was just their own little world. Yeah, which but, uh, I mean, you never know. Right now, with the Netflix deal being done. There's a lot of rumors and talk about, you know, those characters coming back to their own shows and, you know, connecting into the bigger MCU, which could be really interesting. Absolutely. So I, I to go back for a second, I know you said you, you kind of stayed away from spoilers and casting announcements. So do you know anyone else who's been cast or that we're expecting to see or no? Not really. And if you don't mind, I'm going to keep it like that, that way. Oh, for sure. No, that, the, that's why I ask. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know of any guest stars or anything coming up. I'm just, I, I wanted to go in as blind as I could. I, I Personally, I hate spoilers. I don't know why. No, that's fair. I, I, I don't like spoilers. 
I don't. I never found casting announcements to be that much of a spoiler, but I, they are obviously. Um, but I always found they were like an enticement because then I was just more curious: how does that work, or who's that going to be? Sure. Who's going to be there? Or how's you know? And then it's just excitement to see that person or that you know, either whether it be a character or an actor or whoever it might be, just to kind of see that. Like, um, I, obviously with the trailers, we always knew that Catherine Hahn was going to be, you know, the neighbor. I'm really excited to see how they expand her role or how it's going to work as the times shift, obviously, because we saw that adjustment even between episodes one and two, right? Like, her as a character was starting to change to fit the time period. So I'm curious to see how her character will evolve. Yeah, no, it will be interesting. Yeah, like, like, and then, you know, what I like too is I like that there's like some CD underbelly going on, like, but we don't know what it is yet, right? It's all, it's all sort of up in the air. Now, um, there's a. Uh, I've seen some speculation online. What did you think about the beekeeper? Uh, you know who I thought of just because now I am reading more comics because I got Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, the first character I thought of was um, was it Swarm, right? Um, Spider Man. Okay. But I don't think that's him, right? Like, it's a totally different character, I would imagine. Because he has the sword logo, right? On a, on, a, on a suit? Yeah. So I only know a little bit about swords. They're like space shields, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah, so that that's all I really know about swords at the moment. Okay. The, um... Yeah, in the comics, I mean, the the idea of a beekeeper has been around for, like, since, like, the 60s because... Uh, there was, you know, obviously there's a lot of villainous organizations that show up in Marvel Comics, and one of them was uh, Advanced Idea Mechanics, which I think has showed up earlier in the MCU. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, that's Iron Man 3. It's Iron Man 3, right? Because right? I guess they developed yeah. Extremis there. Um, yeah. And so in the comics, they have these ridiculous yellow suits with, like, these beekeeper helmets, and that's kind of their staple. So when the minute I saw a beekeeper, I'm like, are, are we seeing AIM or not? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I, I believe he had a sword logo though, right on his, on his shirt. I think that's right. Or like on the uniform, on the, on the uniform somewhere. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see you know where they go with that or what that means. And 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 again, like episode two might be the most rewatchable in terms of kind of noticing like things and how it kind of informs the grander narrative. I think see, episode one feels a little lighter on those touches, which is obviously by design because I guess they're trying to show that you know there's there's cracks coming in and we're seeing them as the viewer as Wanda starts to experience them herself. Yeah, was there anything in color in the first episode? I can't remember now. I don't think so. Like, cause, yeah, I think the first episode was pretty solid black and white, and then it's the second episode where the color starts creeping in, right? Because there's the, the drone as well, right? Yeah, there's the drone, there's the blood. And the and the beekeeper was in color too, right? Uh, Were they? Yeah, I guess they were. I don't even remember that. It was interesting just seeing Wanda go like, no. Yeah, yeah, you, she's like... She's obviously more aware of it, what's going on in Vision, I think, like, at this moment. Like, uh, it's interesting because, I mean, the Scarlet Witch in the comics had very different powers. Like, her powers from the beginning were always more about, she would do these reality hexes, or, like, basically she had probability hexes that she was, you know, her mutant power was to affect probabilities. Um, and that's kind of how they used her for years. And then they kind of had her, as they try to give, you know, a lot of female characters more power and more agency than they used to have. They gave Jean Grey more powers. Uh, they gave, uh, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch more powers. And she became more of using kind of chaos magic and that she was kind of more of an actual witch and being able to kind of tap into this chaos energy, which was helped her to change probabilities and stuff like that. Her Probably her most famous storyline uh, these days came at, happened in 2005, where she basically went a little, actually 2004, she went a little bit crazy and started changing reality and, and they realized that she was a danger. They kind of shut her down. And then she was being taken care of by her brother, who I can't imagine, I, I, I wonder if we'll see you know, Quicksilver at some point. I keep wondering if we're going to see him at all. Because um, I mean, obviously he died back in Age of Ultron. But in the comics, uh, her brother and her dad, Magneto, were trying to t- kind of take care of her. And her brother was like, you know, you got to fix things. You got to make things better. She changed all of reality to basically be a-, a world where mutants were supreme. It all comes crashing down. And then she makes this pronouncement right at the end where she just says three words, no more mutants, which changed the Marvel Universe for a long time because almost every mutant was depowered. Uh, so they went from having millions of mutants to having like 198 of them for a while. So it's I'm curious how much of that kind of backstory they would go back to. Well, so um, on Disney Plus they launched like the, the Mar- uh, Marvel Legends, I guess. Oh yeah, I haven't actually watched it's them yet. Of, yeah, so I watched both of them uh, for like it's the two characters, right? It's Wanda and Vision. Yeah. So it's, a, it's just sort of to give you an overview if you haven't seen the movies. 
of the character, right? So, that, um, and one of the things they do mention is that, that there's a line, like, uh, I think it was in um, Age of Ultron, because that was her first sort of, like, main movie, right? Yeah. So, that, uh, and they do mention that she can manipulate reality and, and stuff. So that's what I'm wondering is, like, is she, like, grieving over Vision? And is this whole thing just her trying to, like, get out, like, you know, this is her way of coping? Or, like, so mm. I'm curious about that. There was someone who posted a thing online, and I'm like, well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But he was like, well, what if Steve Rogers went back in time and gave him this, the, the stone back? And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that works. That's not <laughs> that's not how they set up their rules. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing, too, right? Like, I was wondering about that, because, like, he's dead on the battlefield last week off. Like, yeah. Is he actually going to be alive in the end, or is he going to still actually be dead? Like, it's good. I'm curious about that. Yeah, it is a good story, right? Or a good question, because, I mean, Shuri was working on it. Obviously, she didn't finish but like, how much of his of his memory was was saved? Because we never see anything after that. Like, his body is left there. We don't know yeah. what happens. Uh, Wanda, dis, you know, gets snapped, and then she comes back five years later, or however long it was. So, where is his body? Was Shuri still working on it? Did she save some of his memory? Well, yeah, it's a good question. Like, I mean, obviously, the reference when uh, in the first episode when she smashes the uh, the plate over his head, right? Oh, his indestructible head. Yeah. Right, so she blew him up, right? So, and then so did Thanos. He died twice. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I, did did Shuri disappear as part of the snap or not? Um, that's a good question. I can't remember if she if she uh, went under or not. I think she did because wait, no, was it Black Panther that went down? Yeah, Black Black Panther. He's he was snapped out, and I don't think we saw anyone else like I don't think we ever saw Shuri like she was the last time we saw her she was working on you know trying to help the vision and then the I don't don't remember which which uh, of Thanos's minions showed up but like she was fighting against them and then vision jumped out the window with the guy so I think that was the last time we saw her before she shows up with Black Panther in Endgame yeah that's right I think so did she she fought in um in uh with the um in the first one, though, right? Like she fought. Was a, she had those like two gauntlets, right? She, yeah, she, she was fighting guys. She, but I don't think she ever entered the battlefield, though, did she? I'm just wondering now. Was that the first one, or was it the second one? Well, no, she yeah. uh, she was definitely she was on the battlefield with them in Endgame, so she was definitely had the gauntlets there. Yeah, so I think she had some of that going, or maybe that was um, Black Panther the movie itself. She was fighting with those. Yeah, we saw her fighting there too. Yeah, like she she fought in Black Panther. We saw her fighting in Endgame. We even saw her fighting in Infinity War. I just wasn't sure if she was snapped because if she wasn't snapped, she could have been working on what she got out of the Vision for a while. And even after the stone was ripped out of his head, like there was still stuff there. Yeah, I know for sure. I, I I vaguely remember like I don't think she was snapped on screen, but I think. I think they might have said that she was snapped off screen. Oh, I can't remember now. Oh, that's possible. It's possible they had it like on a video screen somewhere. I, I do. I do remember with the um, there was some uh, like people were asking that question: was she or was she not snapped? And I can't remember what the answer was. Okay. Because I don't think we actually saw her fade away, right? Yeah. No, I don't think so. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, like I got to do a rewatch of those two, man. It's been a while. Oh, you know, it's interesting. I was just reading about it. So apparently. Uh, the actress thought thought she survived, um, but apparently one of the posters that came out before Endgame that had avenged the fallen, she was one of the fallen in the poster. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because the posters were black and white for the fallen, and they were in color for those that survived. That's right. That's where I remember it from. Because then there was discussions about it. Like there was a, little, a couple little articles and stuff about it. Yeah, because it wasn't. It was never clear because it was off camera. That's right. Yeah, that's what it was. It was those posters. That's exactly it. That's funny. Yeah, you had each character poster, and they were either black and white or full color. Just a clever campaign. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I was thinking about it today that, thank God, Endgame came out when it did. Because can you, can you imagine if COVID had happened, like, a year earlier? Well, that's, that's what I told, said to you, remember? Like, that, like, how shitty would that have been? Like, like oh, now you got to wait two years. 
right? And and it's interesting too because again, it was such an event. Like I don't know if I'll ever if that'll ever really be there again. Where like Avengers three was already huge, right? But Avengers four was bigger because you had everything that happened in three, and this was like the second half of the adventure. Plus, it, again, it yeah. was like this capping off of this you know twenty one what twenty two however many movies it was Odyssey. Um, it was just I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. So it was this massive event, and then. If you think about kind of the uh, the cheerworthy moments that happened in that movie, which, I mean, a big part of that was the communal experience, being in that theater when, you know, Cap picks up Molnir, when, you know, yeah. everyone shows up in the portals. Like, that was such an event uh, of in and of itself. Oh, for sure. Like, I don't think I've ever experienced a theater atmosphere quite the same way like that. Like, Star Wars maybe comes close, but not in the same way, because, like, the payoffs in Endgame were so great. Like, that was the craziest shit, right? Because we all wanted to see Cat pick it up and they've hinted at it and everything else. So it was, it was great. And I, I mean, it's interesting. And in this day and age, if you go back and watch those uh, Endgame trailers, like they really didn't give anything away. Yeah, I know. Like, they did a really good job of keeping it under wraps. Like there's a lot of sequences of like them in the, their new suits, but you don't really know what it is. And like, you have no idea how it works or what it's going to be. You don't know what that they're going back in time frames. Like they really covered their tracks and made it as you know. You, you didn't know what, what you were going to get. You saw a lot of something, but didn't know what that something was. Yeah, like even um, Professor Hulk, right? Like they kept that pretty secret. Like oh yeah, that's I right. I, I, like it was a shock to me. I remember. Like and again, I try to stay away from spoilers, but like, I don't remember that really being spoiled. So yeah, there was a lot of stuff that they did really well there. So again, it's it's interesting again because that was that this 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 big triumphant end to to the third wave. Well, and then you had the kind of the epilogue that was Spider Man, and now we have again we're we're still waiting for the first cinematic film on Phase Four, and obviously next year is gonna is getting busier and busier as we th- or not even next year this year in theory is getting bigger and bigger. Well, that's what I was wondering too. Like, how long are they going to hold off Black Widow at this point, right? Like, are they going to do a home release kind of thing, like what they've done with other films? I, they seem really hesitant to do that. Like, I think they've had time to do it, and they've just decided not to. Yeah, like it, it, it is weird, right? Because like, how long can you hold it off before there's too much backlog? Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be what May seventh, so I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, like at this rate, I don't know, at least in Canada, I don't know if movie theaters will be open at that point. Yeah, like there's supposed to be four movies this year. Yeah, I remember you were telling me that, and I was like, what the fuck, four? Like, what, it's it's Black Widow, right? Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Shang, Shang-Chi got moved up, so it's now the second one. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. That's supposed to be July 9th, so I will not be seeing it that day since that's my anniversary. I don't think I can convince my wife to see Shang-Chi and A Legend of the Ten Rings, but we'll see. Uh, and then uh, we have Eternals in November, and then the Spider-Man 3 is supposed to be in December. Yeah, that's wild. It's crazy. And then the the following year, if everything goes to plan, also has four movies. 2022? Yeah, 2020. Sorry, I said the wrong year, but 2022 is supposed to have uh, Doctor Strange in March, Thor Love and Thunder in May, Black Panther 2 in July, and then Captain Marvel 2 in November. Holy shit, yeah, that's crazy, man. But I mean, you know what? Like, Marvel is the blockbuster now, right? So, like, they could probably pull off four movies in a year. Oh, for sure. I mean, again, and again, a lot of it's the stuff that they were working on. Like, again, we were supposed to have Black Widow and Eternals this year, so they just shoved them into the following year. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, and the thing is, too, like, the good thing about Marvel, too, and it's just like the comic universe, right? Like, there's room for all these characters because they're all different and they're all interesting, right? So it doesn't get, like, stale, right? So it's, you know, and, and they're all in different styles. Like, Black Panther has a really cool, unique style that you don't see anywhere else, right? Like, yeah. Each film has its own feel, its own style, which is cool, and they've done such a good job at that. For sure. Now, the uh, the Disney Plus of it all. So, as we said, we got nine episodes of WandaVision, which will go January fifteenth to March fifth. Then we have, uh, I guess, two weeks off, and then we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is six episodes running March to April, and then scheduled for May, we're supposed to get Loki. That's right. Yeah, I know that it's smart. They're going right like back to back. The only thing about that, though, it is like in the long run. It's going to be hard to keep that quality up in some ways, right? Like, I mean, as long as they keep putting the money in, like, maybe not. Like, you know, if they get good people and, you know, I, I don't know. I want to believe that they can keep doing it. 
I hope so. Like, I really do hope that it doesn't end up like Star Wars just, you know. But then again, I guess the difference is, like, you know, Star Wars, yes, it has a pretty rich, like, uh, you know, expanded universe, which they mostly tossed out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a different feel. I don't know. Like, hopefully Star Wars will kind of get back there with, with the new shows and stuff, but... Hmm. I guess maybe it's just the Skywalker trilogy that's or saga that's just not you know not enough there to make it you know worthy or they just really badly executed it. But um, Marvel just seems to have it down like they know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. got stuff planned out properly. You know it makes a big difference. So there's three more Marvel shows coming out this year after those three. So WandaVision, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and Loki. Then we have What If, which is ten episodes, which I'm excited to see because that's the animated show. Right. And then we got uh, Miss Marvel, and then we got Hawkeye, and that's all this year. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, like, the what if is that's cool. It's on its own sort of thing, anyway, right? Yeah, and that's that's it. it's very much its own thing. I mean, we're getting you know Chadwick Boseman is in it because he plays T'Challa in it. So I mean, you know, there's some cool stuff that's going to be there. But yeah, that's meant to be you know these fun, cool kind of remixes of what if something happened that was different. In the in, yeah, in the Marvel cool. universe, what if Peggy Carter, you know, took the Super Soldier Serum and it wasn't Steve Rogers? Yeah, yeah, no, I like that idea. Like, it's good. I mean, and they've done it before in the comics too, right? Oh, for sure. That's. I mean, they have run. I think all told, almost like two hundred issues of different what if comics. It's funny because a lot of the earlier ones eventually did happen. Like, well, there was one way back in the day that was, uh, "What if Jane Foster became Thor?" It happened. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's, and then they actually pulled it into the, the main line, right? Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's happened in the, in the real Marvel Universe. It's about to happen in a freaking movie. So, I mean, eventually everything, you know, anything they ever kind of said in these what-ifs eventually did end up happening in some way. A lot of them did. Um, Miss Marvel I'm super excited about because that's, that's so different. And Hawkeye, I mean, I think Hawkeye is one of those shows that absolutely would be better as a TV show than a movie. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Like, it, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, uh, Black Widow and um, Hawkeye kind of got the shit end of the stick as part of the main Avengers. Yeah. Like, so I think it, it'll be cool that he gets his own series. I'm surprised Black Widow ended up getting her own movie after they killed her off. Yeah. Um, which is pretty pretty ballsy, too. It's kind of cool. Um, but it will be interesting, for sure. Um, and then Miss Marvel, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that works. Because apparently she's going to end up in... Captain Marvel too, right? Exactly. Yeah, I'm. I'm. What I'm really curious about with Hawkeye though is like how much of it, how much of the movie, uh, sorry, the TV show is going to be about Clint, and how much of it's just going to be about the new Hawkeye. Right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be about him training her and everything, right? So for sure. But I'm just curious, like how that'll, you know, it'd be interesting to see. So I'm very interested about this. And actually, there's a now that you're kind of diving into comics, there's a, a specific run of Hawkeye that you probably would enjoy because it's it's very kind of new reader friendly and kind of just jumps in it's basically what does hawkeye do when he's not an avenger and so it's very kind of street level and it's they've said that it's very much the the kind of the the nucleus of what they were looking to extrapolate and make a tv series out of and so in that show sorry in that series he is there with kate bishop the you know who becomes the new hawkeye and they have you know some great banter and even from the you know the stills we've seen they're definitely choosing that aesthetic. So if you were to pick up and read that that series, I think you'd be you know really you know well prepared for this new show. Yeah, no, that's cool, and I, I, I like the street level heroes because like I gravitated more towards those characters in the past, right? Like uh, Punisher and those, like, uh, and those types of characters, right? The, the, and it, it was more when the movies came out, I started getting into more of the like you know, the Captain America and stuff, like the, the, the bigger sort of characters in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you put me on to uh, Immortal Hulk, right? Like, and I was never a big fan of the Hulk, like, but I, I'm really enjoying that run. Like, it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, the character's actually interesting. Because I, when I think, when I, before that, that uh, reading those comics, I always thought of Hulk as just sort of like Hulk smash, you know, there's not much to the guy. Mm. He's like, you know, so, but, uh, so it's, it's cool to, to read something interesting like that. It's interesting because that comic it definitely feels like I mean that 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 Al Ewing loves the Hulk, but also isn't afraid to kind of do something really weird and different. And he is taking that character some creepy directions. And again, there are times when that's just a horror book. That's not even a superhero book anymore. Yeah, no. Well, I'm a fan of the X Files, right? And it has a bit of that X Files feel. That's true. Like it's it's cool. It's a really good series. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I can see there's a, it has a very kind of X-Files kind of sensibility. I think some 
of the art kind of has that like you know that like that tone right that it's like the x-file set too right that really dark sort of like the lighting and it's just really cool i like it so i think we'll have you we're obviously we're going to have you back when uh wandavision wraps because it'll be interesting to see you know what what it all ends up being like we have seven more episodes obviously and i know that we'll talk about it off podcast uh, up, up until then but i'm just curious to see what the next seven episodes really give us i'm also curious if they're going to stick to the one episode a week or if there's going to be like a double up week or not because i think there's room when i kind of counted out the weeks i think there might be another you know kind of double drop but I don't, i'm not sure uh, well I, I would imagine maybe they do it at the end yeah like, maybe like like starting it out with two and finishing it with two, I could see that being a thing. But yeah, no, and I, in one way, in one way, I think it was smart to start it out with a two and get these sort of over with. Yes. Like, and then maybe people will gravitate to the next couple episodes more. Like, yeah, that's a good point because if yeah, if you had these episodes in two separate weeks, would that have killed people? You know, for people who aren't sure, would it have just kind of stopped them in their tracks? Yeah, because this one, people are like, okay, well, that's one week. And then now, like, they'll be like, okay, maybe I'll give it another shot, right? But if you put them separately, then it's like, ah, fuck, two weeks of garbage, right? Like, yeah. to some people, right? So, like, at least this way now, it's like, okay, you got those out of the way. And now you can get more into the crux of the story. But, like, I personally really enjoyed them, like, for what they are and the setup and doing something different. And, mm-hmm. Like, I-, I am really curious where the story's going to go. Because, like, the first episode is weird. Like, what's, like... It zooms out of the TV, so it's like, is somebody watching this? Like, it is, it's strange, right? Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Like, and then all I saw was the sword logo in the corner there, right? Like, that, that was, I think, the first reference to it, right? To the sword. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, and then, yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious from a kind of a development standpoint, if when they made it, did they know that they were always going to kind of cluster the first two? Or I'm just curious who kind of made that decision. And I mean, I think it was a, a, the right decision. But I mean, the second episode, you st- as we said, you have the first glimmers that something's wrong. And you have, you know, there's kind of these moments where they kind of break out of it for a moment. And they're kind of looking at something or something is wrong. And so it's interesting. I'm just curious, you know, at what point in the development cycle did they decide, yeah, we're going to put these two episodes together. And maybe it was... You know, maybe it didn't mean anything, but I'm just curious. I'm always curious about the decisions like that because obviously someone thought that through for a reason. No, for sure, yeah. And then the other thing is too, like you know, like you said, this got shifted around a little, right? So it's like, like when did they make those choices? Yeah, it is interesting. Like, and how much of like COVID affected things? And yeah, you know, like I'm sure they'll probably do little retrospectives and stuff, and you know, you might get a little bit of inside stuff. And like even the Dick Van Dyke thing, I think, just dropped like today or, or over the weekend maybe which is um, just talking about like you know his involvement and stuff so I'm sure we'll get little tidbits as we go hmm. but I did really like the dinner scene with that like creepy like you know he's choking and it's like she just keeps repeating herself like it, it, it was it was odd that kind of had an X-Files feel to it a little bit like that's true it was, it was an interesting scene but yeah I like the sort of like everything's happy land everything you know that era right it's like that you know and then but under, underneath it all there is that like reality is there somewhere right like it's kind of a cool it's a cool contract like it works really well with that era yeah and like I guess the first episode was interesting because you had Vision kept wondering what they were doing well yeah that too yeah that was, that was interesting like was a, but it, it's so weird too how they get kind of thrown in like it's like you know it's like oh we're married and then they, they don't have any rings like you know there's all these little things that are like there's there's little holes in the story already, right? Right off the bat, right? Like, yeah. So, it is cool. I am really curious where it's going. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I generally, like, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. But again, I think I like that aesthetic. I, I like those older shows. I thought that, again, that they really kind of stuck the landing on making it feel like a, you know, kind of an interesting, you know, artifact from a different era. Um, I can see why people wouldn't enjoy it. And obviously, it's a little slower paced. I think Kelly was kind of like, what like what is this <laughs> like you know yeah, like, i think what's she, the point well kind of because in the idea like when it started i was like oh they're really going to do this like i because i wasn't sure because obviously we knew from the trailers that you know there was some sort of weird thing going on and it was like they were in a show but i wasn't sure how seriously they would take it and so as it went on i'm like oh they're really doing this they're really good this is this is the show uh, this at least this this episode is really going to you know adhere to this this template and i just uh, it, it blew me away 
at you know their confidence, I guess, to do it and say like, yeah, we're 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 doing this pretty straight right now. It's going to go somewhere, but right now we're doing the kind of a straight, kind of loving send up of something that you know used to be what TV was. Yeah, for sure, it's definitely a homage to that era, for, like in a lot of ways. I guess if I guess it must be weird if you don't, as you said, if you don't really understand the homage. Like it's funny when it came out, Zach obviously knew that it was coming out, and he's like, "Oh, I want to see WandaVision because he watched some of the Mandalorian with me, like not a lot, especially season one because he was a little younger. But season two, he, you know, he watched a fair bit. I would, you know, just some stuff. I'm like, I don't know if you should watch this, but uh, for the most part, he did see a lot of it, so he was excited to see WandaVision and thought we'd kind of do the same thing. And uh, I was like, you know, Zach, I really don't know what this is yet, so I don't know if you should watch it. So when we watched it, uh, he was uh, on like recess or something in the middle of the day, so he just like watched his own iPad, and we were, you know, watching the show. And then he asked us afterwards, like, you know, can I watch it? I'm like, and Kelly's like, I don't know if you'll like it, bud. I'm like, it's not scary. It's not, you know, not appropriate for your your age group. But I'm just not sure if you enjoy it because it's it's so different, and it's again this. I don't even know if he would understand what he was watching because it's so old school. No, for sure. Yeah, the only thing I could see maybe get being a little scary is that dinner scene. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like from a kid's perspective, I could see that. Like it kind of creeped me out, right? Like you know, like that. Like I liked it, but the, but it, it was pretty creepy. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. I guess that I guess that would be the kind of the, the creepy thing. But it's interesting because it's not even what you usually think of. Like when I usually think of things that are not going to be appropriate for Zach, it's not usually someone choking at dinner. <laughs> Like, usually it's, like, yeah. violence or something, you know, outright scary. So, it's, again, it's showing how different this is. For, for me, I've always enjoyed psychological, like, um, danger more than, than violence. Hmm. You know what I mean? In a, lot of, in a lot of ways. So, like, I really like that psychological aspect of it. Like, it's like, what the fuck is going on in this scene? Like, what is happening? And Vision's just sitting there, and then she's finally like, help him. Right? Like, it, it, it's weird. Yeah. That was very... Very strange, but yeah, as I said, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Obviously, I'm like, I mean, it already had my buy-in anyway. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I like, you know, generally speaking, I've liked most of what they've done. Why wouldn't I be watching this anyway? Yeah, true. That I mean, in, in that sense too, like, I guess they can be a little bit more bold because they know that they're going to have like that starting audience. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is, it's still going to be interesting to see, like, you know, overall what the viewership is going to be. You know, like next this coming week, and like you know, or will it pick up again by word of mouth? Yeah, it will be. Inter- it will be interesting to see how it plays out. It's interesting too because, like, if you look at like their their bold swings. So you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy before, and again, those are characters that no one knew, and it, they were finally kind of going into space and doing kind of weird, zany things. So that was you know them taking a chance on characters that no one knew. Here you have characters that everyone kind of knows and already likes, but you're doing the form is so completely different. Um, you know, they're they're going to a, a completely different genre and form that we're used to, and so it's just interesting. So this time, at least they have the buy-in of the characters. You're already care about Vision, you already care about Scarlet Witch, so now we want to see what happens next, and they're hoping that, you know, you'll stick you'll stick with it, because you still like the characters, even if you're maybe at first a little thrown by the form. For sure, yeah, they definitely have that advantage in a way. I was just going to say, too, with Guardians, like, that was before they had Star Wars, right? Like, before uh, Disney bought Star Wars, right? Uh, maybe when they started working on it, because again, it was 2014 when it came out, and Force Awakens was 2015. Yeah, because I remember it was close together, I think, right? Like, with the, uh, but it is funny, like, they ended up creating their own, like, Star Wars, and then they had Star Wars afterwards, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like these the, the more, more recent Star Wars we got... I mean, obviously, they're impacted by the trends in filmmaking, and it feels like the, the MCU level of you know, comedy or kind of snark started to creep into Star Wars more than I would have liked. Yeah, I don't know. There's, let's not even get into Star Wars. There's so many problems with that trilogy. <laughs> like, I, I just can't stand the Disney trilogy overall. I'm so sick of it. I'm uh, glad Mando's decent. Right, well, really good in a lot of ways. They should just give John Favreau anything, right? Because he created a Christmas classic. He created the beginning of the MCU. You know, he he helped save Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, I know, Favreau, Favreau, I wouldn't, like, it's going to be interesting to see how the shake-up at Star Wars, like, is he going to be running the show in the end? Uh, who knows? But mm-hmm. I think him and Filoni, because Filoni's a huge influence on Mando, obviously, so it's a, um, I think the two of them are a really good team on that. But yeah, it is funny how he's been involved in some of the big, big things, right? Obviously, this is very off-topic, but I'll ask you anyway. I mean, obviously, Filoni, you know, has defended the prequels before, and obviously, hearing him talk about it 
is, has been fascinating. What do you like when you listen to him talking about what he respects and really thinks about the prequels and what it's trying to do? Does it change your view on the prequels? Well, yeah. I mean, I think with age, you know, looking back at the prequels, they they were again. It was good that he didn't do the exact same thing, like Lucas overall, right? Like, mm-hmm. had he just done had he just done another, you know, one, two, three in a in a very similar style, like they probably would have done, you know, mega bucks anyway, right? Like, but. I like that he tried something different. They're still badly executed, though, in a yeah. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, story-wise, though, I respect the story. I just wish he would have got somebody to, to assist him with, like, um, with the script writing. Yeah. Um, like, and and the dialogue, big time. Or maybe just directing, right? Like, he's you know, he's got great ideas. Well, that's the thing. He's got great ideas, and I think he's a good story setup guy. You know, like he that he can set up a, a good story and like you know details and everything else. But I think he needs he needs someone to review it, you know what I mean, and especially the dialogue. He needs someone that writes dialogue because his dialogue is terrible. And then his his directing, like you know, going back, a lot of the a lot of the actors said he's a terrible director. Yeah, he's not an act, he's not an actor's director in any way whatsoever. Apparently, he has like two directions: faster and slower. <laughs> that's all. That's all. He, that's all he gives. Uh, you know, and as an actor, I can totally see like that would be frustrating shit, right? Because you're trying to get into the scene. And then you have this horrible dialogue that's like, you know, just, it, it, it's got to be a mess. Like, I yeah. feel bad for Hayden Christensen, because you know, I've seen him in other things. He's a much better actor than what, what, was, what we saw on the screen. Even Natalie Portman. Like, she's, she's really she's good amazing. a lot of things. But, but yeah, there she still would, right? Like, so those movies have their faults. But, like, from a story perspective, I think they're, um, they're definitely, you know, it was, it was a bold story direction. Uh, another complete aside, but uh, it did make me laugh the other day. I saw a YouTube video where someone had the uh, the Batman Begins training montage with uh, Qui Gon. Sorry, um, with uh, you know what I mean, Liam Neeson and uh, yeah. Christian Bale fighting, but they made it look like they were using lightsabers instead. Right, instead of katanas. Right. And they're like Batman versus Qui Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was probably like thought of a long time ago. But yeah, it's cool. It was. It, was, it made me laugh. And Zach's like, "What are you watching?" And I'm like, "I'll show you, but you're not going to care." <laughs> Look, you're just going to see lightsabers and think it's cool. And he's like, that's really cool. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's just someone someone having fun. Well, the, the, another thing that's interesting with Star Wars is that, like, the, the prequels, is that a lot of kids that grew up with it, like, they, they, they prefer them over the originals. Yeah. I mean, they're more action-oriented. I guess in some ways, yeah. Because you could do it, right? Like, with the, uh, with the technology, right? And, like, to speed everything up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole generation that are growing up on on this trilogy, right? So, yeah, but I wonder if it will be regarded in the same way. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. That's such a weird. It's hard to, it's hard to know, right? I'm curious. It's interesting because Zach has seen what four, five, six, and one. He hasn't seen two and three yet, and then he's asked about seven, eight, nine because he watched the holiday special, the Lego one, and obviously, oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And there's a bunch of like references. To like seven, eight, nine, obviously, and he knows about Ray, and like he's seen part of seven, but like I think I turned it off just before Kylo Ren killed his dad because <laughs> I was like, eh, I don't really need you to see this part. Yeah, did you even want him getting any ideas or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't need him to. No, <laughs> I don't need him to think patricide is cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious. Like he's he's asked me like recently. He's like, can we watch another Star Wars movie? I'm like. Yeah, you know, we should. And, like, he's, I've started playing uh, Fallen Order, which was, I guess, last year's game. So, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's getting more into Star Wars and wants to see more Star Wars. So, you know, and he's, he liked, obviously, The Mandalorian, and there's 18 million, you know, Star Wars projects coming there. So, yeah, I am excited about the TV series, more so than movies. Yeah, me too. I don't know about, I mean, I, I hope Rogue Squadron's good, but, I mean, I didn't like her, <laughs> I didn't really like her Wonder Woman. Yeah, but I mean, they're very different topics. Oh, completely different. I'm curious what the micromanagement would be like. Like, working on a Star Wars project, I'm curious what the micromanagement is like. Well, again, that's part of the problem with the the new trilogy. It sounds like there wasn't. Like, not not that I want, like, directors to be overly micromanaged, but, like, you gave, you know, originally they gave three different directors three different movies, and, like, J.J. got to to do the setup, and he wrote out a bunch of stuff. But then apparently Johnson just threw it all out. So like it, maybe they should have done a better job of like, okay, well, here are the main things that we have to adhere to. If you don't want to direct this as a result, mm-hmm. cool. 
but this is how it's going. So you need to incorporate in some of this. It's, I mean, that's part of why Marvel pays off so well, is because they have these little ideas in mind, and there's a lot of like little details that they drop in there with with the idea of like, okay, we're going to drop this in later, like it's going to come back and pay yeah. off. It's it's weird though because like when I've talked to like people who've worked on you know Star Wars books or Star Wars like comics and they talk about working with Lucasfilm and how they're you know they're they're very on top of everything in terms of how all the continuity fits especially obviously after everything that was Legends was kind of pushed away and so it's so interesting that you know the movies seem to kind of do what they want and yet every other piece of the Star Wars Empire goes through this story group and everything is kind of vetted and has to fit. So I, I don't know how, how, is, how are the movies even possible that they kind of took the weird turns that they did when you have a story group that's been tr- in charge of keeping you know, this kind of core idea present. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know. Like, who knows where all the failures happened, but they definitely failed in my opinion. Yeah. Any final thoughts on WandaVision? As as I have let us as skew, as askew as possible. Yeah, we, we we kind of ended up in a Star Wars podcast. We did <laughs> different different realities. It's a, yeah, it's a Star Wars podcast. Um, yeah, no, I, like I say, from for me, I I really enjoyed it. But I liked the homage. Um, but again, we grew up with that stuff, so I can see the disconnect between the generations. I just hope that like the next the next couple episodes appeals. That other generation, maybe they get back back on board. Because mm-hmm. um, ultimately, I wouldn't want this to be a failure. I don't think it will be, but like I wouldn't want it to be looked back on as like ah shit, we shouldn't try bullshit yeah. and different stuff. Because I, I do like I like the you know it, it's cool to have change and have something different for you know. So it's a, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it, and I'm really curious to see where it goes and. It'll be interesting getting that you know episode a week to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see. Uh, obviously, like you know, with Wanda getting pregnant now, which is interesting. And I've heard saw one person saying online how it's interesting how you know in Hawkeye you have Kate Bishop, the new Hawkeye being introduced. Um, you know, over in Ant Man, uh, his universe, they've cast like an older actress uh, to now play his daughter. So a lot of the characters that would end up becoming the young Avengers in the comics are being seeded out, and now we're seeing that. You know, here, um, Wanda's two children, I mean, she has two children in the comics. I don't know if they're going to do that here. But in the comics, she has two children who eventually become superheroes. It's super messed up and and, and kind of weird and creepy. But again, it plays into her kind of reality warping powers. And those two characters are also part of the Young Avengers. So it's interesting to see that we're seeing, you know, amongst the different kind of franchises, we're seeing the characters who could become the Young Avengers all kind of being populated. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they go that direction, right? As, as the older, you know, crew gets older, because that, that's that's the other thing is like, yeah, unlike the comic format, like these guys are are aging, you know, in reality. So like, you, you can't keep them young forever. So like, I'm sure they they're gonna stack up stuff for 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 the future, right? So for sure. So I mean, it could be maybe in like four or five years we're getting a Young Avengers movie. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, like, I'm sure they've probably got it in mind. But it does make you wonder, though. I mean, they already are like are packed to the gills with all this stuff that they want to do, and yet we haven't we haven't heard any word of the X Men yet. Like, and like we know that they've announced that John Watts, who did the Spider Man movies, is going to do the Fantastic Four movie, so they're going to be bringing the Fantastic Four properly into the MCU. But what about the X Men? Like, it, they have so much going on, and yet the X Men are just like just out of orbit. We know that they know that they're thinking about it. We know that they want to do it. How is that going to work? <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm sure they'll probably do a setup. Like, it'll probably be a post-credit sequence somewhere in the, For sure. in the run. I'm more worried that they, they just have so much content. Like, so now that they have so many characters, and, like, again, you had something that, you know... They they used the Guardians of the Galaxy because they were like, well, we don't have X Men, we don't have that other stuff, let's mine what we can use. And now they have most of their toys back. Oh, for sure, yeah. And it, like, X-Men and Fantastic Four being... You know, big properties for sure, and well, and even and, all the Netflix characters, right? Like we talked about them, like they're all back. Yeah, you know, they have access to all the. You know, it's 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 funny that the MCU as it started was let's use what we've got to try and make an Avengers movie. They held back on keeping the pieces that could maybe be an Avengers movie. They kept those rights. They took a giant leap. Like it's crazy to think back to 2008 when they had to take a giant loan from like Merrill Lynch to be able to finance making two movies, and if it didn't work. Who knew? Who knew what was going to happen to their IPs? And yet, obviously, it did. And like, how different would the world be if that didn't work? Oh, for sure. 
and it's funny that like Hulk was the second film, right? Like, yeah, because it's considered the stinker of the of the whole lot, right? Like, it's a perfectly a fun movie, right? But like, considering how good the others were, it's somehow still well, it and Dark World, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, but yeah, like I think even the Hulk is sort of considered like. Though I hear they're bringing some stuff back from the Hulk, right? Which is, um, they got Abomination is going to be in the She-Hulk TV series. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Because I, I enjoyed that movie. Like, it was, a, um, it was interesting. There's a lot they could do with it. Like, they set up a, they set up a whole other character, the leader, and they, then they never did another movie again. Yeah, well, and then, like, there's a few things that don't fit, obviously, especially from the earlier days, right? Because they, they didn't know if they were going to be successful or not. It's just crazy to think, like, yeah, that Iron Man is, like, you know, that was a big chance. You know, now it's, like, a guarantee. Like, you put it on an Iron, movie, Iron Man movie, it's going to be good, right? Yeah, you just put Iron, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s face on a, anything related to the MCU, and it'll sell. Yeah, pretty much. Like, the other thing that's interesting is, um, like, there's rumors now about Chris Evans, right? Like, because his contract is coming up, like, it's done, um, and then will he resign? But, like, what's he going to do? I don't know. Like, are they going to set up period pieces for him, like you know, earlier? I mean, if you're if you're bringing in the multiverse, I mean, you could do anything. Well, that's true too. Yeah, because again, yeah, you're right. Like with Spider-Man Three, it's apparently like where the multiverse is coming in. That opens the door to anything, right? Like you can do what if for real, like you know, like a live action, right? Like yeah, you why not? Do, you could do anything. It's going to be exciting. And then again, we don't even know what the Loki show is because that's a Loki from a different you know reality. That's true too. I guess you're kind of already opening the multiverse there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because that and that that technically is a Loki who didn't go through the change of heart that he went through that eventually led to him, you know, dying in Infinity War. Like this is this is this is an Avengers era Loki. So what could that guy be? Well, he's not, yeah, the mischief is going to be there, and he's going to be a more bigger prick than he was, you know, later on. Right? <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. For sure. All right. Well, thanks again for joining for this episode. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again. Bye-bye.